Hello and welcome to Basecamp, a climbing magazine podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Riley. Thank you for tuning in. I'm so glad you did because we got a great episode for you. It features an interview with one of my favorite pro climbers out there, Rob Pism, also known as The Piz. Rob recently wrote an article for Climbing Magazine. It's in the October-November issue, which is on newsstands now. And it's all about Uniweep, a climbing destination just south of Grand Junction, Colorado, with sweeping granite walls for miles, but an area that doesn't get a whole lot of traffic. And I was really interested in reading the article and sitting down with Rob for that reason exactly, because you really just don't hear a whole lot about Uniweep. But in the article, Rob goes into the history, some of the early development, some of the later development, and some of the style of Uniweep, which was quite fascinating because the area is quite good and probably deserves a lot more traffic than it gets. Yeah, so I sat down, I talked to Rob, we talked about what it's like being a climber in Grand Junction. You know, is it a good climbing city? Talked about first ascent potential at Uniweep, which it sounds like there's quite a bit. We talked about some of the training he does to practice for the Uniweep style. And we just talked about what's going on in Rob's life these days. He's a great guy. If you ever met him, you know he's super genuine, super nice, really knowledgeable, very detail-oriented. I really enjoyed talking with him, and I think you will enjoy as well. So without further ado, let's talk with Rob. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Mystery Ranch, based in Bozeman, Montana. Mystery Ranch builds the best load-bearing equipment in the world for men and women with the job to do. Made with the best materials available and the most durable construction methods that exist to support your mission, whether it's on the front line, the fire line, the cleanest line, or the steepest line. At the last International Climbers Festival, I connected with Becky Switzer, Mystery Ranch ambassador, got to ask her what she loves about Mystery Ranch and its products. So, Becky, how's your International Climbers Festival going? Oh, it's great. It's always inspiring to see all the folks who travel across the country to come to Wyoming. Yeah, and it's so beautiful here in City Park, just hanging out by the river and all the camping. It's really a special place. Yeah, Lander is really the perfect place for this event. How did you get connected with Mystery Ranch? So, I've known people in their crew for over a decade I started out with a ski pack of theirs and have always been impressed with the quality, the construction, the durability. It's just a great company because it matches with my activities, climbing being the primary one, but also skiing and ice climbing. Yeah, and what do you love about the packs? They carry a lot of weight very easily, especially with the new Tower 47 coming out, the Kragging Pack. It can take a ton of weight and it can feel really good on your back. And one of the neat things about Mystery Ranch is that it's really customizable. So being a shorter female with a short torso, this pack fits me great. If I'm carrying an 80 meter rope and 20 draws, like it's totally manageable. Fall 2019 marks Mystery Ranch's debut back in the technical climbing packs with the launch of the new Scepter series, specifically designed for ice climbers. Then in spring 2020, Mystery Ranch welcomes three more rock-specific packs into the collection, including the Tower 47. Learn more at mysteryranch.com. Mystery Ranch, built for the mission. How are things going with you these days? How's Grand Junction? Living the dream. Look at that. Bedroom, <laughs> two bath, fifteen hundred square foot of beauty. Have you been in this place for a while? I moved in uh, one day before Rowan was born. Oh wow! So he's eight. Oh wow! Eight and uh, two months, or sorry, eight plus two months. So. Uh huh. And how did you end up in Grand Junction? 
Are you from Colorado? I, I'm I from Cleveland. You're from Cleveland, Ohio. You're a Midwest mm-hmm. boy like me. I'm from Detroit. Yeah, Rock City. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so how did you end up here? Ah, uh, the story. I'm assuming we're live. We are live now. We are live now. Yeah. So when I finished high school, I went to my first year of college in Pennsylvania. And I had a lot of fun. It was Where lovely. in Pennsylvania? Allegheny College, Meadville. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I went to Mercyhurst for oh, one, okay. for one yeah, yeah, year, yeah. and then left. Nine quickly. Inch Nails used to come and like play in the basement of the the like frat. Rusted houses. Root used to yeah. Rusted come. Root would come. It was rad. I loved Rusted yeah. Root on my way. <laughs> on my way. Yeah. So uh, I played hockey there and ran the outdoor club, and I was like, "This is really fun," but I'm not getting anything out of college. Like mm-hmm. for me, the liberal arts school was a waste of time. Uh, so I transferred to School of Mines, and I was like, okay, this is what college is supposed to feel Killer. like. So it was super hard. I moved to Golden. Uh, I got my engineering degree, worked as an engineer, uh-huh. went on the road for two... So I worked for two years, and I was like, at the end of two years, I'm quitting and living in my car. So then I went and So you that. got into climbing then in college over at School of Mines? I started... Uh, I went once the summer of my senior year. My brother had... Someone introduced him, and he's like, you should come and check this out. And I went, and I was like, wow, this is fun. Cool. Yeah, and that's just how it started. Sweet. So selfishly, I want to ask about living here in Grand Junction because mm-hmm. it seems like maybe one of the last towns to move to that's actually affordable and has a lot of climbing around it. It seems like every single climbing destination has just skyrocketed in living costs. Yeah, like Flagstaff, super expensive. Totally. Moab's expensive. I think Vegas is reasonable, but Vegas is a legit city. Mm-hmm. Um, Salt Lake's getting Salt expensive. Salt Lake's expensive. Oh, it got expensive. It Obviously, is already. Denver's expensive yeah. anywhere in the front it's off the charts. So yeah, I talked to Matt because I was tell- talking to Sam about it. Because mm-hmm. I'm looking at buying a place, and I, ah, the front range is so hard. Mm-hmm. So I was like, hey, Matt, I'm thinking about... Uh, Grand Junction what do you think and he's like well if you can withstand the heat if you don't mind the summer then it's perfect but the summer suck it's here's the deal I climb on the quarry wall all summer long uh huh and I can climb hard roots <laughs> yeah it's not uh, you can go up on the mesa 40 minutes you can be at 10,000 yeah. feet and there's a ton of roots that and there's a ton of roots to, to be bolted and or just cracks to be cleaned mm-hmm. on the volcanic rock up there yeah and it's sick there's mountain biking camping climbing and mountain lakes to go fishing at yeah trail running what do you what more do you want and no one here <laughs> yeah it seems incredible it's it's a great place to be we've got uh yeah the uniweep south facing stuff is blistering mm-hmm. hot don't even think about it but sure. late afternoon actually there's enough nooks and corners where you can uh-huh. go climbing if you want to go get on the granite you're an hour from the black. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a couple. I mean, you have all the Unweet bouldering, and you can pick and scratch at uh, shady spots. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there's a few other kind of random walls around. Mm-hmm. There's tons of hiking. You've got this. You you have access to the San Juans. In it's a hundred miles from my house to yeah. Uray, because I've done and worked the Uray Ice Fest so many years. So it's. Uh-huh. A hundred miles is an hour and a half. Yeah. You can be in the San Juans in an hour and a half from living here. You're driving four and a half from Denver. Mm-hmm. Three and a half, four or five even. Yeah. It's right here. So you have access to the, what I consider unaccessible on a regular basis when you're living on the front range. And mm-hmm. here it's an hour and a half away. It's a great place to be and the summers aren't bad. Yeah. I mean, yes, are they warm? It's not Vegas warm. Vegas is terrible in the summer. Yeah. 
Junction, it's tolerable. Yeah. And it's not even like a, a hard tolerable because the access to the mountains is so close. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'll keep it on the list. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I say that, and I will say that many a front ranger have moved here already. We uh-huh. do have a full-service gym, you know, 10, 10 or 12,000 square feet. We got, I think, close to 50-foot wall. Um, obviously, decent training, since I like to train there. Mm-hmm. And um, you don't have to deal with 50 people waiting in line to climb at the gym. I went back to the front range for a, a, a work trip a couple weekends ago, and yeah. I went to Uber Grippen, okay, which was yeah. a beautiful facility. And I was like, I don't want to climb here. It's unbelievable because it they're popping was, up so quickly, and they just they're immediately packed. It was fully packed. Like I'm one. trying to do laps and train, and you know I'm I'm bumping shoulders and. <laughs> You know, I, it, I'd be like, can you guys open it four in the morning for me? You uh-huh. know, that's what I would ask when no one would be there. Because I don't want to be there when anyone's there. Uh-huh. And you can go to any our gym at any time and have a nice nice uh, training session or do roots, whatever. So we're going to be talking about your article about Uniweep. How far is Uniweep from here? Uh, totally, probably 30 minutes. Yeah. As the crow flies, it's literally behind my house, mm-hmm. probably 10 miles. Okay. And that's kind of the local crag, would you say? Is there stuff closer? Or is that local pretty... crag is rifle for most people. Wow. Which is yeah. 50 minutes. Away. Okay. An hour. Yeah, in an hour max. Most people don't climb in Uniweep, mm-hmm. unfortunately, or fortunately, however you like to look at it. Yeah. I, why do you think that is? Because it's not a style that people are used to. Mm-hmm. And when people aren't climbing what they're used to, they're climbing way below their pay grade and everybody's ego can't handle it. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's happening. <laughs> if your ego wants to feel fluff, yeah, go to the gym and go to rifle because the roads, the grades are easy. Come and climb 512 out here and you're going to not do it. Okay. Well, I want to. Ta- I want to talk to you about that in <laughs> a minute. And it's not that we're inflating. Trust me. It's just yeah. a different style, and you have to learn how to do it. Okay. So you wrote this article, "The Canyon with Two Mouths," with mm-hmm. which is the uh, kind of like a a name for uh, Unaweep mm-hmm. given to him by the is it the uh, the Native Americans? Y- yeah. I'm not the greatest historian. I did the it research. was the Utes, right? Yeah, the Utes. Yeah, Utes. yeah, Utes. Um. So why did you write this article? Why? Yeah. Because <laughs> Matt let me. <laughs> yeah. Did you come to him with the article idea or um, did he reach out to you? Well, I had read the last ones. They did the one on Eldo about mm-hmm. kind of the second coming or, or the, you know what I mean? How yeah. it was re re-giving life. And they did the history over in Salt Lake. And I said, you know what? This is the first access fund purchase. The wall's over here. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's rad climbing, like rad climbing out here Mm -hmm. and i've climbed all over the place you know if you want to go climb tufas obviously you're going to go to a tufa place yeah but this is super technical super inobvious super even if you know uh, it it can be super heady uh, and you've got to learn a whole new style and almost all the routes you've got to relearn how to climb so Mm -hmm. it's awesome like i don't get bored climbing there do you find when you kind of get in that flow of that style, you can start ticking off routes way easier? I mean, I feel like it's kind of like that at shelf, right? Like if you're a pocket pulling, mm-hmm. if you haven't done it in a while, it's hard at first. But then once you get it, you like you can take down all of the you know routes at that grade. Sure. 
Is it like, um, is it similar to that? Kind of. I'll, I mean, in the article, I think I described the open-handed sloping side pole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's many seams that you're going to lay back and you've got to learn how to lay back without any feet and really a, a bad hold, mm-hmm. a, a bad hold that doesn't feel like you can stay on it. Uh, the crimpy roots are super thin and the slabby roots are super slabby and blank and, and it's really fun. <laughs> Yeah, You just feel insecure a lot. Clips feel insecure. Putting gear in feels insecure. So yeah, you you, you can't go into a route kind of half-assing it. Uh-huh. Otherwise, you're just going to hang at the end of the rope and be frustrated. You use this term unicreeping. Can you describe <laughs> to me what that means? Uh, the unicreep is a lot of the walls have roots, or a lot of the, just the roots have sequences where you kind of climb into a stance. Uh-huh. And then you look ahead and you say, I don't want to try that because it feels so insecure. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah, you just feel super insecure, whatever you're doing, whether it's a crimp, a, a lieback move, a high foot smear, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you just creep up into the next stance and then you have that moment of truth come to your head. Well, I can't stand here forever and I have to go again. So you're constantly just creeping up the wall mm-hmm. rather than this kind of long flowing route, say like, uh, you know, a clear creek route or a rifle route where you just yeah. kind of keep going uh, and it's not really changing too much along the way. Uh-huh. Uh, you'll get these really weird and obvious balancing moves, presses and mantles, stems and gas stones for eons. And then you'll have to do this really weird move and you'll be so pumped from doing the other move that the new one feels really challenging uh-huh. in some cases impossible. Uh, so it's fun. It's yeah. just this slow progression, which... Uh-huh. Again, it's a different style. You know, you can go to Indian Creek and just slam hand jams or, or tight hands or fingers and just charge. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas here, there's very, very few routes that I can charge on. Mm-hmm. So when I have to climb, I've got to climb. Yeah, you know? pretty thoughtful. Very thoughtful. So you mentioned earlier that there's plenty of routes to be established there. But it seems like a lot of work, pretty arduous, a lot of time, cleaning, it's not very established. Why do you love it so much? I mean, it just seems like so much work. Well, there's there's literally sections of wall where I haven't knocked a single thing off. Uh-huh. So there's the one and done, wrap it. You know, I'll take huh. people who've never bolted a root or who've never established a crack to this spot, and we'll go ahead and put roots up together. Mm-hmm. And I'll teach them how, let's, let's take a look, figure it out, figure out the placements, figure out the stances, and... Super easy. And then there's the sections of the wall where you're like, I think that'll go. And then it ends up having some exfoliation mm-hmm. that needs to be hammered off uh, or some flaky stone. And um, why do I like to do it? Because aesthetically, it's something that in my eyes, it appears to be a really cool feature. And if it can be climbed, I'll figure out how to climb it. Mm-hmm. And if it takes, you know, say, like right now it's fall. I don't know how many times I've bolted a root in the fall. Never even got into try or bolted or cleaned. You know, maybe it's yeah. a crack climb with one or two bolts and a hundred foot of gear. Um, never even tried it. I'll try it in the spring. It'll be wow, this is way harder than I thought. And then the temps will pass that perfect window in the spring, and then it'll be summer and a little hotter, so I don't even try it. And then the yeah. winter, I'll try it again. Or sorry, right before winter, I'll try it again. And then maybe it comes in another year and then it, it clocks in at something really difficult. But there's just, there's no pressure to, I don't feel the pressure to get anything done. 
So yeah. I get the easy ones done, and then I slowly train and come back and get the good ones. Or not the good ones, yeah. but the, the more difficult ones. Well, speaking of um, that, do you do so, any specific training? Oh, yeah. For oh, my the, gosh. the Uniweave <laughs> style of climbing? Oh, yes. Well, tell me about um, it. Lots of open-handed um, body torquing uh-huh. systems ball, wall moves. So I try to hold these really awkward positions and, and get my feet really high to where I can barely hold on and where I'm just falling off all the time. And what I do is I have to learn how to keep my body in position. The subtleties, like do my, does my right ass cheek need to be clenched right now <laughs> in order to maintain this body position? Yeah, it, It's those things. It's uh-huh. not so much, oh, I just need to get a stronger upper body because that's yeah. not going to cut it. Uh, there's plenty of super strong upper body people and super strong grip people that have very low success here. It's all about you know, engaging the the low back at the right time, dropping your heel. I think I'm. I don't know if I mentioned that in the uh, in the article. The heel drop. No, I don't. Slab climbing is all about the heel drop. And uh-huh. if you don't know what I'm talking about, you put your toes mm-hmm. on the hold, and when you try to stand up, the hold disappears. But if you drop your heel yeah. and redirect your energy and your force into the wall with a heel drop you can stay on many many things it's kind of the trip or sorry the the trick of the i don't even want to say the pros but just of the Mm well-versed like it's something you won't even notice that someone does they'll stand there and let go and you'll raise your heel a millimeter and then you're off whereas if you drop it you can just stand there and let go Mm -hmm. Um, so there's little subtleties that allow uh, success in uniweed and you also, like I said, you have to feel okay about feeling insecure on holds and just keep climbing even though you're thinking, this next move I'm going to come off. And then when you get it, you're going to think, I'm going to readjust and I'm going to come off. And then you're going to try to make the next move and you're feeling like you're going to come off if you try to overpower it upper body-wise. So there's mm-hmm. just lots of low torsion moves, lots of core moves, lots of leg, really just very specific uh, pushing moves um so it'll look really easy when someone goes up and, and does it and then when you try it you're like i can't even stand on this how did you do this it'll feel like another world mm-hmm. and that's why i love it yeah so in the article you kind of mentioned that a lot of the obvious cracks and a lot of the routes have already been established and so you've been kind of going in between and where you know it's maybe more slabby blanker sections more featured possibly is there still a lot of rock out there that hasn't been touched, or do you think it's been picked over pretty well? Uh, it hasn't even been close. Yeah. I've been putting up roots for 10 years, and mm-hmm. I'm not even close to done. Put it up, put it that way. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. But mostly on the harder side? Well, if you're going to go ahead and put up an easier route, um, chances are it's going to be bolts or mixed bolts uh-huh. and gear. So you might have two cracks that continue up with a blank section in between. Mm-hmm. Blank enough that it requires bolts. Yeah. So maybe there are probably face features. There's probably some kind of uh, movement that'll connect them. Mm-hmm. So that's the type of route. As far as a pure crack, 511, even 511, mid 511 and lower, there's a really strong chance that KC Bomb already climbed it. And, yeah. and the rest of the crew. You know, when I say KC Bomb, when he was climbing, there was probably 30 people that mm-hmm. were picking away at, at roots, you know, all of them kind of having the whole canyon to themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but he certainly was the most prolific. 
and uh, I actually just got to meet him a couple weekends ago. He oh, passed nice. through. He's still uh, one of the head, one of the original AMGA guys. He was huh. just teaching in Denver for a couple weeks, uh, and he came through, passed up from Arizona where he lives, and we had coffee in the morning and hung out. And That's cool. It was really awesome to just be like, because everyone told me he was really tall and that he had huge hands, <laughs> um, and he really wasn't any taller than me. He yeah. might be six two at okay. most. And I was, you know, I was checking out his hands. I was like, oh man, how big are your hands compared to mine? Uh, and they were pr- pretty close to mine. But he was just the love he has for the canyon mm-hmm. uh, is is so deep. It was just really the passion he had for it. Yeah, I had no awesome. idea that he did so much uh, development around here. I always think of him like Flagstaff, Desert Towers, stuff like that. Well, he also developed. You know, not only did he do at the minimum a hundred probably roots yeah. in Unaweep, he developed most of the again five eleven and under roots in Colorado National Monument. Yeah. He just, you know, didn't stop. Uh-huh. Super motivated. Uh, <laughs> if he was feeling younger, he'd he'd still be doing it right now. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the locals in the area, you know, Weep. Are they pretty climber friendly? I mean, when I was there, I've only been there once. So you but mean there's the people houses, that have houses on houses, our side of the road? Exactly. So All those farms when Casey stuff. put the original book out in whatever, 1980-something, mm-hmm. uh, I think that the climbers had spoken to a lot of the landowners and most of them were like yeah this is okay if you're just walking be you know keep low profile because there wasn't that many of them there was a few um and today properties change hands sometimes people move out there just to be alone Uh because it's a lonely highway 141 and uh but a beautiful place a great place to be alone it is gorgeous up there and uh actually there's probably i would say Maybe close to a half dozen properties owned by climbers mm. in the canyon, and they're they're friendly, um, and encourage climbing, and even they're putting up roots. And then there's the just the main ranch folks that essentially one or two of them own the whole canyon, and that's been their you know their land, their generation before, the generation before that, and it's not that they're against climbing per se, but they definitely don't want you crossing their property. Mm-hmm. Most of the times, if you wander around, uh, put it this way, if you park on the side of the road and you're going to go walk to a cliff line that looks incredible and it might be 30, 40 minutes away, mm-hmm. uh, your car on the side of the road will flag somebody driving. One of the locals will note that they'll call one of their neighbors who owns the property um, and they'll come out and find you. Mm. And oftentimes they're That's worried about know. illegal hunting. Okay. And then the other half is, please don't cross my property line. Yeah. And so we just, we respect that. Uh, Jesse Zacker, who I mentioned in the article, yeah. uh, is extremely connected with uh, the BLM and National Forest. Uh, and then lots of the land owners. He's certainly mm-hmm. our greatest contact that keeps relationships positive. Uh, he's actually one of the guys, as a side note, who kept Cabin Wall open in Escalante when it was sold to private, the guy who owns most of the canyon mm-hmm. in Escalante, because BLM just up and sold it without telling anybody. And then the access was literally closed there for a little while. Huh. Jesse established the WCCC, correct? Jesse was part of it, yeah. yeah. Jesse and Eve. Okay, yep, mm-hmm. the Western Eve Colorado Coleman. Climbers Coalition. Yep. So I was, I'm mountain... You can, yeah, yeah, you, you can access the rock if you're not crossing private property, which uh-huh. just means sometimes it's a longer walk. Yeah. So the walls that I haven't gotten to yet just have a, a longer walk i'm literally just picking the plums basically roll your dar- door open walk 50 feet and you can go climbing i'm taking all those right now 
Uh-huh. And anyone else that wants to come out, certainly come and establish with me. Cool. Um, I encourage it. But the ones with the farther walk, it's just, okay, I've got to start figuring out the, the approach, what's going to be the most efficient way, and then that wall will be loaded. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about any, like, break-ins and stuff as far as, like, people camping and stuff like that? I was on Mountain Project. I saw a lot of comments about people saying their tents so, got stolen. and So where they're getting stolen is where all the bouldering is on the sandstone uh-huh. in, on 10 Mile Hill. Okay. That is a free-for-all. You'll go down there and see paintball wars from uh-huh. the local whatever paintball clubs. Sure. You'll go down there and see folks that are living in their RVs permanently. I'm not saying climbers that are living. I'm mm-hmm. just saying folks that are living in there, and they'll be there for their two weeks. And you're like, wow, that thing looks like it needs to be caught on fire <laughs> type of you know RV setup. Yeah. Uh, so there you're going to have those transient folks moving through. Uh, so when there's been broken break-ins, it's not up in the granite which okay. is what i wrote about in the mm-hmm. article uh divide road is where the quarry wall is located that is heavily traveled by hunters and side by side drivers whatever you call them mm-hmm. i don't even know what you call those folks they, they just <laughs> yeah. drive around in a car and look out their little car thing yeah um and that area is so used there's not any break-ins. The rangers are up there all the time because it's a hunting area way up on Divide Road. It's just, it's patrolled a lot, but the break-ins are definitely down lower on the on the granite. Or sorry, on the sandstone. Okay. So, if, if they are happening at all. Sure. I haven't heard of anyone having that happen to them, but certainly the mountain project is, you know, gospel. It's true. <laughs> yeah. So just take everything there. I'm glad you recognize <laughs> For somebody going to Unaweep for the first time, what piece of advice would you give them? I, I mean, the advice is the the north side of the road is sunny. Yeah. <laughs> so if you don't want to climb in the sun, yeah, don't go on the north side, although you can find little nooks. Any places you should start? Well, it, it all depends on what, you're what grade you're looking at. Uh-huh. Okay. There's great five nine and under on the north side Mm -hmm. between mother's buttress and sunday wall there's just a slew of them and then five ten and eleven on those walls there's tons of them tons of cracks yeah and then there are fewer say sport there are sport climbs there there's some originally put up in the 80s that are just like wow this was put up in the 80s this is nasty Uh um nasty as in difficult not as nasty as in terrible and uh, so those routes, you're like, wow, this is a 510 crimp route, and I don't even see any holds. <laughs> you know, like, I'm literally crimping a key on my keyboard that small. And some people just get so shut down, they're like, well, this place blows, you know, because, uh-huh. again, their ego took a huge hit. Well, take a minute and learn how to climb here, and you'll be fine. Um, so the weekender is going to come and take a beating. Mm-hmm. Um, I can that, vouch in, for that. In that respect. <laughs> uh, but someone who climbs there regularly you just you learn the nuances Mm -hmm. you learn when to go to that wall so quarry wall you can climb it all summer in the winter it's too it's ice i mean it's freezing cold the snow will stay Mm -hmm. there all winter Uh, so i don't touch it in the winter Uh, but there's amazing vertical and overhanging roots there uh, that everyone that i've put on there on the lines are like i can't believe these are here i cannot believe this is this good i cannot believe this sequence is so fun. I cannot believe the gear is so good or, or whatever. Um, so great. Yeah. Well, it's a beautiful place. Thank you for sharing it with mm-hmm. us in climbing magazine and with our audience. I've only been there once, but I'm excited to climb there this weekend. So yeah, 
Gonna I'll take be out advantage. on Sunday afternoon. Okay. I'm going to go canyoneering tomorrow. Okay. Sorry, not tomorrow. On uh, Saturday uh-huh. uh, in the swell. And then I'll come back and get a session in the afternoon. I got to play with the kids and do a bunch of stuff in the morning. Sunday. Nice. Well, I'll probably still be here. So hit me up if you. For you sure, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You'll hear me screaming on something that's kind of hard that I haven't finished yet. So if people want to follow you at all, do you have a website or anything? Uh, I have officially stopped doing my blog. I was really consistent for probably years. I don't know mm-hmm. how many. And I don't care anymore. Sorry if anyone <laughs> It did seems read. like everybody stopped caring about their blog. Well, <laughs> again, why do I do it? As a pro athlete, they want a social media outlet. Uh-huh. So I was like, I'll do my blog. And then, you know, I put topos and trip reports on places yeah. that I've gone or things that I've established. And right now I've been doing a, a running streak. I've, I'm literally, since the first day of the year, I've ran every single day of the year. Nice. Uh, and I'm just doing the whole year, at least two miles a day. Killer. Um, and I would post my distances and I ran and I started off doing all this stuff that was worth reading and, or not even really even worth reading. But um, and it... now I just don't care anymore. And it's not even that I don't care. It's more just that is not effective use of my time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have uh, an Instagram account, Rob underscore Pism, that uh, my the way I my audience is uh, climbers, people who like to train, and then my mom. <laughs> so you'll see pictures of my kids. Yeah. Um, you'll see pictures of training stuff, and then you'll see climbs that I've been a part of or my friends have been a part of. So those are the three audiences. And if you can handle that, I don't really, I'm not a uh, author. I'm not a poet. You know, one of my good friends, Timmy O'Neill, I read his, his posts and they're so eloquent and beautiful and well thought out. And then my, mine will be a one word. It'll say yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so you're not going to get any, any deep quotes out of me because again, I'm not there to entertain you, but I am there to go ahead and provide my obligated social media outlet. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of those <laughs> obligations, you're sponsored by Scarpa, Scarpa Camp, Camp, correct? Uh, Treadwall, I saw was on there. Yes, Treadwall, Treadwall which is actually called Brewers Fitness. Oh, okay. But yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's um, the product, I guess. Yeah, Treadwall's the product. Brewer Fitness is the business. Nice. Uh, I work with Sterling, and I work with Rab. Uh, this is my first year with Rab. Cool. Um, I was with another brand for about 12 years, mm-hmm. and um, I've been with Camp for... I think since 03. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at longer than a lot of people have been climbing <laughs> with one company. Yeah. Um, and I just talked to Vince Anderson lives out here, who most of you probably won't ever have heard of if you're a new climber, but um, badass alpinist. And uh, he's been with Patagonia for 25 years, I think, 20 or 25. So there's there's some legends that live out here, and uh-huh. we keep our mouths shut, so... This is the place to be. Yeah. <laughs> the climbing's good. If you want to climb well at the Black Canyon, you come and train in Unuweep. Uh, <laughs> Has the running been uh, helping your climbing? Ah, uh, many people have asked. If, um, Tom Randall also did a running. So I was, huh. I did it with for a running challenge that the weather squeaked me out this year, so I'm going to do it next year. Uh-huh. It's this giant 80-mile thing with a million peaks to climb. Cool. Uh, and Tom Randall from the Wide Boys was yeah, doing yeah. his training for a big race this year or or. Again, he got bouted by weather also. But uh, people have been asking him, how does it transfer to climbing? How does it transfer to climbing? My response is the amount of running he does or Uh he was doing for his ultra and big mountain link up, I believe 
he he did more training than he needed to to get the positive effect of running. Mm-hmm. Whereas running every day at a moderate amount at a I've increased my pace over time just because I'm like, okay, I'm wasting my time if I run this slow. My endurance, as far as breathing endurance on the route, is, uh, I want to say, I don't get out of breath climbing at altitude Mm -hmm. because I'm running so much. Nice. So that's a positive. I don't get out of breath if I go to rifle and climb. My approach is I'm not feeling fatigued when I get to a location. So there are, there's a bunch of benefits. Obviously, it strengthens your core whatnot you're but again those things you still have to train finger strength you still have to climb in order to have your you know your upper body physical endurance and whatnot you still mm-hmm. have to develop power if you need power on roots but as far as the me getting out of breath my recovery time is extremely quick on roots and then i can move through and and do the next thing that i need to do cool i think that's it i think we covered it all you feel good about that yeah kevin i had fun <laughs> cool <Thanks. laughs> That's it. That's the show. I want to thank Rob Pism for taking the time to speak with us. And also want to thank our sponsor, Mystery Ranch. You can check out their new ice climbing and climbing pack, The Scepter, at mysteryranch.com. Theme music was provided by Small Houses at smallhouses.band. And if you're not done so already, please make sure to go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, subscribe to Basecamp, and leave a rating and review. Well, that's it. See you at the next Basecamp. Camp.